0: And um, looking forward to a great service. And, and uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Second Peter. And Second Peter chapter 1, we'll be reading the first 11 verses from there. And uh, if you just came in, and uh, please be in prayer for Pastor uh, and for Justin. And uh, they're taking off and heading to the Philippines tonight. And uh, we'll be doing a lot of preaching uh, over in Manila uh, this weekend. Uh, and then they'll be attending the Spiritual Leadership spiritual leadership conference, Asia, uh, next week as well, and uh, so you be in prayer for them. And then also be in prayer, uh, as I announced uh, earlier, be in prayer for uh, my wife's um, cousin, Alan Chow. Uh, He went to Yosemite to go hiking, um, and he's a somewhat experienced uh, backpacker, and uh, he went uh, this weekend, he's supposed to be back on Monday, and uh, his uh, mom noticed that he didn't come home and, uh, and waited until Tuesday and he wasn't home. And, uh, so today and maybe even yesterday, they, uh, sent, uh, the ranger sent out a search and rescue team. And, uh, so, uh, please be in prayer for the family. His name is Alan, uh, Chow. And, uh, so we really covet your prayers if you could pray, uh, for them. Um, obviously the entire family is, um, is, um, you know, waiting news and, uh, we just have to leave it to God and, uh, we hope that, uh, just have an opportunity to give God the glory. All right, right, Second Peter, chapter 1. Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained light, precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and patience godliness, For so you shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word, and uh, Lord, thank you for the preciousness of your word. And uh, Father, thank you that your word is alive. And uh, Lord, thank you that we could, uh, Lord, that you speak to us through this love letter. We pray, Father, that you will uh, bless this time we have together. We continue to pray for pastor and for um Brother Justin, Lord, as they travel, we pray that uh, you'll use them in a mighty way, help them to be a blessing, uh, Lord, to the uh, churches and the people that they will be preaching to over in the Philippines and in Asia. We pray, Father, for their safety as well and that you'll watch over them. And uh, we pray for my wife's cousin, uh, for uh, Uncle Alan, for Al, Lord, that you'll uh, Lord, just watch over him. Uh, we pray, Father, for his safety. We pray for a safe return. And, uh, Lord, we pray for his mom, Lord, that you'll uh, just give her special grace during this time and his two brothers Lord, help our family, Lord, to, uh, Lord, use this time to be an encouragement, uh, to, uh, our rest of the family and the Lord that you'll be glorified. We pray for Pastor AJ's mom as well, for Mrs. Teddy Yarka, Lord, that, uh, that you be with her and that you intervene and touch her lungs and the Lord that, you help her, uh, Lord, to, uh, be able to breathe freely, Lord, and, uh, Lord, that, uh, she would, uh, all her asthma, Lord, will be eliminated. And, uh, so, Father, we commit her that, uh, into your hands and ask that, uh, Uh, You just be with the Tadiarca family as well. And uh, Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given to us. And I pray, Father, that you'll use me and help me to hide behind the cross. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, the Apostle Paul is probably one of the most or more energetic and uh, outspoken disciples uh, of Jesus Christ. Hence, Peter is on record um, many times in the four Gospels. And as a result, we know a lot about uh, Peter. We know about his strengths, we know about his weaknesses, and especially his personality more than all the other disciples. Like the time when Jesus was teaching the disciples a lesson on humility in John uh, chapter 13, uh, when he kneeled down and started to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter said to him in verses 8 and 9, He said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered them, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord... Not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. You know, just that uh, situation uh, itself tells you a lot about Peter and the personality uh, of Peter. I could, I think that's why I like Peter probably the most uh, out of all the disciples, original twelve disciples, because as a Christian, I find myself able to relate to Peter the most. Uh, especially, um, you know, when he puts his foot in his mouth, I could relate to him. You know, a lot of times uh, Peter uh, says a, a lot of good things that come out of his mouth. He has passion uh, for uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, he continues to talk, and that's when he puts his ma- uh, foot in his mouth. And I c- could definitely relate to that. Like the time when Jesus told his disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem and uh, suffer many things and to be killed and be raised again on the third day. We read, uh, in, we read in Peter's... Uh, um, Reaction In Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, it says, Then Peter took him, took Jesus, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. You know, he had the audacity uh, to rebuke Jesus Christ. Um, uh, obviously, he meant it for good, but he rebuked the Son of God, uh, God himself. And uh, while we probably won't openly or publicly rebuke Jesus, how many times... Uh, have we in our heart may have rebuked God if something, uh, uh, some circumstances uh, didn't go our way or if there's uh, uh, things that, uh, 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 b- bad things are happening to us or we're in a trial and we didn't understand God's way and we question God in our hearts. How many times uh, were we like Peter and uh, uh, and rebuke God in our hearts? Or the time that Peter had faith to walk on water but started to sink because he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus Christ. How many times uh, we made a faith decision after preaching or after uh, reading God's word. Or we're down the aisle making a decision for God. And then the next morning we wake up and we say, oh, I, I, can't, I, I can't believe I made that decision. Or we commit to giving money, um, a, a certain amount of money to a special offering or to faith promise. And, and then find out in a week or two having um, keeping our eyes off of Jesus and starting to worry and say, hmm, maybe that wasn't a, a right thing to do, uh, to commit all this money, uh, to faith promise or to another offering. You know, we could relate to Peter. You know, by the time that, uh, um, uh, Peter, uh, penned, uh, first Peter and second Peter, Peter is a mature Christian. Um, when Jesus asked the twelve, will you also go away in John chapter six, verse 67, uh, Simon Peter, uh, in verse 68, uh, replied to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, since that response, Peter witnessed many miracles of Jesus Christ. Uh, he was uh, the close, one of the closest, uh, disciples to Jesus. He was there during the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. But, uh, he probably, he also remembered the times that he was disobedient and where he lacked faith. And I'm pretty sure he still remembers while he was penning, uh, these, uh, two books, uh, in the New Testament, the look on Jesus' face right after he denied him three times. That probably burned inside his heart. And so by the time that God used Peter to pen these two books, uh, Peter is a mature Christian, and uh, God chosen him, not by accident, but uh, a chosen, a seasoned Christian, someone who spent time with God, who wasn't a perfect man by any means, uh, who has his up and downs, uh, who uh, uh, succeeded in many ways, but also uh, learned from his falls and from his failures uh, I think uh, we need to take heed uh, to what uh, g- God has written uh, through uh, this godly man. So tonight, uh, in a short time that we have together, just wanted to uh, talk about the, ben- the, the, the benefits or that membership has its privileges. So number one in our outline, I want you to see the benefits, the benefits that we have. In, ni- in the 1980s, the American uh, Express uh, credit card came up with the slogan that membership has its privileges. You know, when you and I believed in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we became the sons of God, Uh, according to John chapter 1 verse 12. uh, We became heirs of God, joint heir with Jesus Christ. And in the first four verses of 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter tells us that sonship has its privileges. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained light, precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Re- Number one, Peter reminds us that uh, we have obtained light, precious faith and the benefits of being a child of God. Number one, we see that we have obtained perfection. We have obtained perfection. In verse 1, Peter reminds us that through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we have obtained uh, positional perfection. You say, Brother Denny, I'm a Christian, but I'm by no means perfect or sinless. Well, whenever the Bible tells, uh, uses the word perfect in reference to man on earth, it does not necessarily mean, in fact, it doesn't mean that we're sinless. We know that even after we got saved, we still have sin in us and we're not sinless. Um, The word perfect, only when it's used in reference to God, means uh, sinless. Well, to understand what perfection means when it's used in reference to man, we must understand that there are three stages of perfection for man. Number one, there's there's the positional perfection. That speaks of our justification. And so when the Bible tells us, like example, an example in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That word perfect is talking about positional uh, perfection. It talks about that in Christ we are perfect before him. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But number two, the second stage of perfection in regards to man is relative perfection. Perfection relative perfection that speaks about our sanctification relative perfection is the process of our spiritual maturity the word relative implies that there are different levels or stages of mat- maturity you know positional perfection perfection you reach instantaneously When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've obtained positional perfection. Relative perfection talks about our sanctification, and that's a process. That's a process that uh, will go on as long as we're here living on earth as a Christian, as a child of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministries, for the edifying, of the body of Christ, so here the word "perfect is used as relative uh, perfection, that perfecting uh, it's a process of that sanctification uh, that we 're going to talk about more uh, in our second point. In James chapter one verse four, again it talks about this relative perfection, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And then thirdly, the third stage is called the ultimate perfection. that speaks about our glorification. This refers to the perfection in the soul, spirit, and body. And the believers, us believers, will obtain this ultimate perfection when we are in heaven and when we receive that glorified body. And not until then, uh, we will not have uh, this glorified, uh, glorification. Uh, this ultimate perfection until we get to heaven. And in Philippians chapter three, verse 11 and 12 speaks about this glorification or this ultimate perfection. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I have already attained either were already perfect, but I follow after that if I may apprehend that, which also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So here Paul is saying he hasn't obtained that um, ultimate perfection yet until he gets to heaven. And, uh, so those are the three stages of perfection. Well, in regards to the benefits that we have as Christians, when you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we obtain positional perfection. Praise the Lord. You know what that means? It means that when Jesus, when God sees us, He no longer sees our filthiness, our sinful hearts. Instead, He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why we are positionally perfect. That's why the God, the Bible says in Isaiah that our, our righteousness are our filthy rags. But when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, God ripped those filthy rags out of us, and instead He replaces it with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why when we obtain the light precious faith through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we obtain this, um, uh, this possessional, uh, positional perfection. That's why we can go to God. That's why we could have heaven. Uh we we could have eternal life because God no longer sees our sinful nature. God no longer sees our dark and dirty heart. He our our, our sins are washed away and he sees the perfection or the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have received uh, per, uh we have received or obtained perfection. Not only have we received perfection, we have privileges as well. As a child of God, we have privileges. In verse uh, 3 a first of uh, second Peter, it says, according to his divine power, has he given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. You know, another benefit of being a Christian is that we have privileges or access to the knowledge and tools for living a godly and abundant life. You know, what this means is that when we are born into the family of God, we are given all things all things that will help us to live a godly life. We have no excuse why we can't be like Jesus Christ. There is no excuse why we can't be sanctified and set apart and meet for the Master's use. It doesn't matter that uh, uh, if you weren't... uh, uh, weren't raised in a Christian family. It, it doesn't matter that you didn't go to a Christian college or a Christian school uh, when you were young. When you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, God promised that we have privileges, tools that He has given us to help us to live a godly and abundant life. Not only have we received perfection, not only have we received, we have priv- privileges. But thirdly, God tells us. That when we accepted God, when we accepted Christ as our personal Savior, we have received promises as well. In verse four, it says, "Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust." You know, not only that uh, God has given all we need to live an abundant and godly life, He has also given us promises in His Word to help us to develop. To be like Jesus Christ. Now, so we have privileges, we, we, we have perfection, we have promises. You know, we have enormous benefits that God has given to us when he accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. You know, many times we sell God short when we tell people that when you accept Christ, you received eternal life. And that is true, right? And that's, the be- that, that's one of the best things, right? Is to receive eternal life when you got saved. But you know what? We must not sell God short because we received much more when we received uh, Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. John one twelve says, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. You know, if you were today, if you were to go uh, hop on, on an airplane, just like Pastor and, and, uh, and, and Brother Justin. Now, let's just say they, they uh, uh, got contacted by the, the airline and said, oh, you know what, we upgraded to uh, you guys to first class, okay, for some reason. Maybe God answered their prayer, right? And uh, it would be pretty uh, sad if uh, we said, hey, Pastor, how, how was uh, Brother Justin? Uh, how was that flight? How was that first class flight? He said, oh, that was great. We got to stand in line first and got on the airplane first. And then all, we'll say, what? That's it? That's all you did? Didn't you know with the first class you, privilege, you get to sit in these, uh, and lay down on these nice comfy chairs, right? And, uh, you get to, uh, uh, you get to have, uh, enjoy the lounge before you hop on the airplane. And I don't know what else you get because I never s- sat in first class before. But, uh, it would be silly if all they took advantage of and all they thought was that, um, they could be the, the privilege, the only privilege is, of, uh, of 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 uh, uh, being upgraded to first class was to get to stand in line first to hop on the airplane, right? But as spiritually as Christians, sometimes we're exactly like that, right? All we think is that we got eternal life, but according to God's word and what we just read tonight, we received much more than that. We, we received a professional, we we uh, received positional perfection, in that Jesus Christ. Uh, God sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why we're able to have access to God 24-7. That's why uh, we don't have to go through a priest anymore in order uh, for us to meet with God. Uh, we could meet with God any time during the day. But are we taking advantage of that privilege? Um, we have God's precious promises that... Uh, that uh, that he has bestowed upon us uh promises of his power of his presence of his provisions um and uh we have uh the 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 promise that uh, uh he has a will for our life that uh and he'll direct us and he'll guide us and that uh, our steps uh can be ordered by the Lord and yet we fail to take advantage of these privileges uh that we have uh in Jesus Christ you know, First uh, uh, Peter here tells us in Second Peter uh, that we have the but the benefits that come uh, with sonship, uh, the fact that we accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. We became sons of God, children of God. We have these benefits, but are we taking advantage uh, taking advantage of these benefits? So we see the benefits, but number two, we want to see the building up, the building up. You know, being the son of God has its benefits, but there are also responsibilities. The Christian life begins with faith, but it also continues in faith. That's why pastor led, uh, God has led pastor, uh, to have our theme this year, I believe. You know, when we say I believe, it's not just about I believe and trust in Jesus Christ as our personal savior. It means much more than that. Because after your faith, God, after, uh, we know that the Christian life begins with faith, a relationship with God begins in faith, but it must also continue in faith. We must build ourselves up. In Jude chapter 1, verse, uh, Jude verse 30, 20, it says, But ye, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. As beneficiaries of the benefits of being a child of God, we also have the responsibility to build ourselves up in our faith. So number one, Peter admonishes us that we first how do we build ourselves up? Number one, we first must accumulate. We first must accumulate. You know, we spend our lives accumulating, right? Accumulating things we think that will help us in our family. Um, things that we commit, uh, accumulate is um, material, material things, right? And uh, if you have lived and you've been married uh, for quite some time, uh, you will notice that... Uh, There are a lot of things that you accumulate in your house, and uh, if you don't do any spring cleaning in the house, it'll just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. In America, we're good at accumulating junk, right? In fact, so good at uh, accumulating junk that uh, um, uh, businesses uh, that build storage rooms are thriving, okay, just to store our junk, right? Uh, not only do we accumulate things, we accumulate, uh, we, a lot of people spend their life accumulating wealth, money, cars, and properties. Uh, we spend uh, accumulating knowledge, right? There are people uh, that uh, spend most of their life going to college, right? Believe it or not, obtaining degrees. I have a cousin uh, that uh, loves school, and uh, I, I do not lost count how many doctorate degrees uh, he has. But uh, he spent a good chunk of his first part of his life accumulating uh, degrees. Uh, many of us are accumulating accumulating future security. And uh, all we live for is uh, trying to accumulate that nest egg so that we could retire as early as possible, right? And we worry about our 401K. We worry about our retirement. Uh, many of us are... Re- um, some people like to accumulate experiences and uh, like to travel around the world and accumulate uh, those experiences. Uh, nowadays, a lot of people like to accumulate or like to um, accumulate popularity, Right? especially with all the social um, websites and things like that. Um, A lot of people are accumulating followers, right, on their Instagram account and on their Twitter accounts. You know, it's ironic that uh, I spent most of my life um, um, going around and making sure I don't have any people following me, especially if I'm walking late at night outside, right? (laughs) And now we're trying to hope. Uh, and wish that uh, we accumulate followers uh, on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. You know, those things um, of themselves might not be bad for you if they're given by God. But if we're on earth, honest with ourselves, you know, have we, uh, have we dedicated our lives accumulating those things rather than accumulating uh, and building up our lives for the glory of God? So here in Second Peter, Peter gives us things that uh, we ought to, seven characteristics that, as a Christian, we ought to accumulate uh, in our faith to build up our faith. And as I go over this, you know, we need to evaluate, are we uh, giving, as Peter uh, admonishes us, are we giving diligence? Are we giving all diligence uh, to accumulating uh, these characteristics? Parents, are we giving our diligence, all our diligence in teaching and nurturing, nurturing our, our children to accumulate, um, uh, these characteristics and then building them themselves spiritually, uh, rather than trying to accumulate the things of this world, uh, the things that I just mentioned earlier. Well, Peter gives us these seven characteristics in the, verses five to six and says, besides this, giving all diligence, all diligence, says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience. And to patience, godliness, and to godliness, uh, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. I'll go over each of this l- list really uh, carefully. I mean, really quickly. Number one, he tells us to add to our faith virtue. Well, virtue is moral excellence. Another way to define virtue is the fulfillment of a thing. You know, when something, when anything fulfills its purpose, that is virtue. In other, uh, for example, brother Gerald. Uh, could be extolling the virtues of his electric car. Okay, And uh, so if uh, Brother Gerald is telling us that, man, I love my uh, electric car, it takes me to work, uh, point A and point B, and you should see my gas bill. I don't even have one, and uh, all it takes is a little bit of electricity. I just got to make sure I charge it when I go home at night. Uh, and it takes me there, I, I never have it break down, and I don't have to change oil and things like that. What it's doing is that he's extolling uh, um, that, uh, uh, the virtue of his car, because his car is excellent, uh, because it's doing what his car, his electric car, is supposed to do, right? Well, a Christian is supposed to glorify the Lord, amen, and produce divine qualities to be more like Christ. And so when we are fulfilling our purpose in life, which is to glorify God, we are obtaining virtue. When you're doing and fulfilling God's purpose in your life, okay, you are obtaining virtue. And God is telling us to accumulate, to add to our faith, virtue. But not only to add to our faith virtue, but to, to our virtue, we ought to also add or accumulate knowledge. The word knowledge comes from the Greek word gnosis which we get our word prognosis. It means general intelligence, understanding, or practical knowledge or discernment. In Proverbs 23, verse 23, it says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. To obtain virtue, you must have the knowledge from the word of God for God's will in your life. The word of God gives us instructions and guidance on how to live this life on earth through the eye lenses of eternal life. uh, uh, Through the eye lenses of of eternal life in heaven. And so we must have this knowledge from the Word of God. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. So we need to make sure that we obtain the right kind of knowledge because the Bible in the same chapter, uh, James warns us there is a carnal knowledge or a sensual or earthly knowledge that uh, we must avoid and we must obtain this uh, heavenly knowledge that can only come from heaven. Not only are we supposed to add to our faith virtue and to virtue uh, knowledge, but also we need to add, uh, add to knowledge temperance. And temperance is just self-control. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, it says, He that is slow to anger is better than a mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Temperance tends to deal with the handling of pressures of life. Um, we need to add to ourselves temperance. I don't know about you. That's something I need to add. Right? Uh, we know that the f- flesh is strong. We know the flesh wants to tempt us. Tempt us. Um, you know, um, you have weaknesses, and I have weaknesses. And we need to add to our uh, we need to add to our knowledge temperance. That self control to be able to control to be able to say no to sin. Um, there's a lot of things that we could talk about tonight, but one I want to touch on. Uh, regarding illustrating this is probably one of the most common uh, addictions that we have in America, both especially for teenagers and as well as for adults. And I'm not talking about the addiction of drugs or alcohol. I'm talking about the addictions uh, of electronic devices, right? Um, But our electronic devices uh, nowadays is a major addiction uh, in our society, especially, uh, I wouldn't say just in America, but everywhere, um, now, I, this is not a message against phones and against your phone and against social media, okay? So don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, for example, to, today, uh, we received several texts and we received several messages, uh, about, um, my wife's cousin, uh, Alan. And, uh, I just started, got into a room and started praying at work, got into a small conference room and just started praying. Uh, afterwards, um, I, I sent a quick text uh, to the to pastor and the deacons and asked them to pray for them. Um, and then my wife, uh, at the same time, uh, sent a, uh, the only really we don't have Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. And uh, so she got on her uh, Instagram account and uh, and sent a, a picture of her uh, uh, of her cousin Alan and asked people to start it praying. And uh, so so I'm extolling uh, the virtues. Uh, okay, of of uh, of the access and the accessibility uh, and the connectivity that we have for each other, all right, uh, through the phones, and we couldn't have done it, all right, uh, except for today. We have this uh, uh, device uh, and these uh, and these um, social media uh, sites that allows us to do that, and that's all good. So I'm not here to trash that, but nonetheless, you gotta you and I gotta admit that this thing could be very addictive. You know, when we are on this thing almost 24-7 and we catch ourselves every minute checking every little thing, every little notification, and we can't get off this, whether we're having dinner with our uh, family, uh, family uh, at nighttime or whether we're at service and uh, we can't control it and pastor's preaching and we have to check our uh, Instagram account, we have to check our Twitter and see what's going on, we're addicted, right? We're addicted. And that's talk, it's about self-control. We need to have self-control. And so whether we're talking about alcohol, whether we're talking about drugs, whether we're talking about pornography or other sinful pleasures, we need to ask God to help us add temperance temperance, uh, to have that self-control. Not only are we supposed to add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance, but also Peter instructs us to add to our temperance patience. And patience is the ability to endure when circumstances are difficult. So while temperance tends to deal uh, with the handling of the pleasures of life, patience relates to handling the pressures and the problems of life. You know, James tells us that God would give us trials to help us accumulate patience. And uh, I'm the first to admit that I always need more patience. Uh, There's never enough patience uh, that I have. Um, you can tell that as long uh, if you've been working on this, you could tell uh, that you could accumulate, you could abound in, uh, in patience. Right? There's little patience, there's medium, and there's large amount of patience. Uh, before, when I used to walk into the house, Brother Dave and I uh, have the same problem that uh, when we come home from home, come home from work, and we walk into the house, um, and we see uh, when our children was young, and we see the house a mess, we don't have patience. Right? We get angry. Uh, a lot, and uh, we would uh, we would just be angry, and we would yell at everybody, and that's the first thing they do, and completely ruin the spirit, of the whole house, when we come home, right? And I think uh, I think um, uh, uh, God has taught Brother Dave and I uh, that patience to be able to deal with it, and when we walk into that house. And if it is a complete mess, uh, that we'll still smile, uh, at our family members before we yell at them. Um, but, uh, but, uh, to have that patience, right? Um, obviously, you know, children are very good, uh, at uh, testing your patience and they'll find other things to test your patience, uh, besides having a messy house. But you know that we have, need patience. We need patience during trials when God gives us trials. Uh, we need patience when we're dealing with uh, uh, coworkers that are not so nice, or bosses or employers that are not so nice to us. We need patience, and God is working patience in us. Not only do we need to add to our temperance patience, and to pay, but we also from to our patience we need to add godliness, and godliness s- simply just means god-likeness. Um The words reverence and piety are other words that can be used define godliness and uh, you know there are uh, many christians in the world but how many of us have really worked on and obtaining and abounding in godliness you know if you've been a christian and if you've been a church around enough um, you could spot probably uh, point uh, to some godly christians or uh, christians that have this that that has this characteristic of godliness uh, it's uh, usually the person that has, you could tell, that has a high reverence for God, um, that fears God, that has uh, this demeanor about them that they have favor with God and with men uh, and with man. And, uh, you know, you, you, I, I could go on and on with people uh, uh, like the March Schmitz uh, uh, of the world uh, that, uh, uh, that continues to pray for her church, church uh, while physically she can't come to church. And others, people that uh, uh, some have gone home to be with the Lord, you could point out that, yes, that's a person that have accumulated uh, much godliness uh, in their lives over the years. So not only are we supposed to accumulate or to add godliness, but uh, we, uh, Peter tells us that we need to, uh, to our godliness, also add brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, that Greek word comes from the word Philadelphia. And uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 1 says, Let brotherly love continue. You know what's going to help our church grow spiritually? Um, If we have, as a church, more brotherly kindness. If we would just treat each other more kindly. Uh, If we have this love uh, that God uh, 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 admonishes us to add. And in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Hatred stirreth stir up, stir up strifes, but love covereth all sins. You know, if you've been attending church long enough, you'll find that not everyone here is perfect, right? And that includes our pastor, that includes the pastoral staff, that includes the deacons, it includes all of us. None of us are perfect. In fact, the more that you get to know each other, the more that you peel back the onion, you'll find that... Uh, uh like an onion, it, it it's pretty strong sometimes, right? It doesn't look good, right? And uh but uh, here in Proverbs it tells us that hatred stirred up strife uh stir up stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. You know, that doesn't mean that we have to accept sin or immorality or or false doctrine, but you know, many of these things that uh, brothers and sisters uh fight about or don't like each other about you know, many of these things can be dealt with in a Christ-like manner if we obtain brotherly love, uh, if we uh, concentrate and give all diligence in adding to our patience uh, godliness and to our godliness brotherly love. But lastly, Paul uh, here Peter instructs us to not only to add brotherly kindness, but also to charity. And many of you know this word charity comes from the Greek word agape, And this agape is the highest form of love, the sacrificial love that the Lord displayed when he died on the cross for all of us. While brotherly kindness helps love, uh, helps us love people within the church, we need agape love to help us love people outside the church. If we're going to be a soul winning church, we need to work on adding agape love. We need to work on adding charity. We need to love sinners. We need to love sinners. We need to love people uh, like Jesus Christ loved. You know, even on the last breath that uh, Jesus died on the cross, when he uh, hung on the cross, just before he died, he was loving sinners till the end uh, of, uh, of his last breath. And we must be like that as well. We must have that compassion. We must have that passion and that love for sinners. If we're going to see people saved, if we're going to see this church grow and and uh, do the work of the Lord and fulfill the great commission given to us in Matthew 28, we need to add agape love. So, number one, we need, we need to uh, accumulate, but second, in building up, we also need to abound. We need to abound. These seven characteristics of Christ-likeness must not be thought of as seven stages of attainment. right? It must not be thought of like uh, beads in a string, right? where we said, whoop, okay, I got myself some uh, virtue, all right, check off, I got that, and okay, now I'm going to work uh, on knowledge, and then a few months later, whoop, I got that, took care of knowledge, and so on and so on. It's not stages of attainment, all right? Tells us, the um, in verse 8, Peter says, if these things be in you and abound. The word add in the Greek means to supply, to furnish abundantly. Um, Peter says, if these characteristics 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 be in you it also needs to abound you need to furnish it abundantly you need to gather a lot with it just like when kids i love it when i love seeing kids when they're uh, they have a pinata right at a birthday party and uh you know you you tie up the pinata and i'd like the one to be the one holding it and you know bringing it up and down and, and swinging it and then the kids are blindfolded and they hit it and then eventually, uh, the strongest kid, um, gets to hit it and it breaks and what happened? The, the, all the candy spells on the floor, right? And this word abounds means just like those kids. What do they do? They rush, right? They rush in and they try to grab as much as possible, right? It doesn't matter if they already got a Twix, right? They don't care. They're bounding. They're grabbing some more, right? No kid says, oh, you know what? I already got a pack of Skittles and they picked up a second one and they throw it back. No, they keep grabbing as much as they can. And that's what we need to do, right? With these characteristics, we need to abound. We need to add to our faith virtue and virtue knowledge and to our knowledge um, temperance and to our temperance patience and to a patience godliness and to godliness um, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. God says we need to abound in these things. We need to uh, make sure that when we attain the, these things it must be developed and abound and uh, obviously uh, it must be produced by the Holy Spirit of God. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So as we are developing one quality, uh, we ought to be exercising and exhibiting uh, another quality. And we must, as, as P- Peter tells us, that we must give all our diligence in working and adding and building ourselves in the faith by adding these qualities or characteristics in our lives. So number one, we see the benefits of being a son of God. We see the building up, the responsibility of building up. But we also, lastly, see the bonuses. The bonuses. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 8, it says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if we take heed to God's instruction to accumulate and bound in these things not only do we have benefits from god we also have bonuses god gives you bonuses uh, for building up our most holy faith number one one of the bonuses of building our faith is christ likeness is christ likeness i know it's sacrilegious to use an example from a movie only unless the movie is a classic all right and this movie that I'm using is back in the 80s, and uh, so it's, it's clas- classified now at, back in the 80s as a classic now, all right? But I don't know. There was a movie back in the 80s called The Karate Kid, all right? And there's a remake of it, but uh, I'm talking about the original one based in the 80s. But it was about a teenager kid uh, named Daniel LaRusso, and uh, he got beat up uh, by a bunch of kids um, that uh, happens to uh, be part of this uh, karate dojo, all right? And so this um, Daniel uh, got beat up, and, uh, and he also met a guy named Mr., this Japanese guy named Mr. Miyagi, all right? And uh, he met this guy, and uh, he was able to convince Mr. Miyagi to teach him karate, right? And obviously, Mr. Miyagi said, "Well, you don't learn karate to, to beat up people, right? You learn to defend." And uh, well, Mr. Miyagi promised that uh, Daniel that he would uh, teach him um, karate. And so the first day, he, uh, Daniel came to Mr. Miyagi's house. Mr. Miyagi handed him some wax and some towels, and he said, "And he said, I want you to wax my cars, right?" And those of you who watch the movie knows wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And uh, this just Mr. Miyagi was a car collector, right? So after he got done with his car, he shows them the rest of his collection, and he spends the entire day or maybe entire week waxing on and waxing off and cleaning up his car. Well, the next day he comes back. Um, he thought he was going to uh, get to learn some karate uh, moves, but instead, he hands them sand, uh, uh, some sandpaper, right? And he teaches them and he tells them, well, you need to sand the floor, right? And uh, Mr. Miyagi lived in a very nice house with a very nice landscape and Japanese garden and it has a lot of wooden decks. And there was a lot of linear feet of wooden decks that he needed to sand. And then this would go on, and uh, the next day he had to paint the fence all around his big property, and he had to learn how to paint the fence like this with both of his hands, and then he also had to paint his house. And so I don't know how many weeks this went on, but uh, uh, you, you guys mostly know the story. If you don't, you know what this leads to. But Daniel, uh, at the end of I don't know how many weeks, while he was doing the chores for this Mr. Miyagi, uh, he just blew up and got mad. He said, You promised that you would teach me karate, right? And all I've done is wax your cars, paint the fence, and paint your house, and sanded your, uh, sanded your decks. And, uh, so Mr. Miyagi started to show him some moves, right? And he realized that what he was doing, right, when he was sanding, he was actually learning those karate moves, okay? And the light bulb turned on on his, ha- uh, uh, on his head. Well, you know what? When you and I listen to the Word of God and take heed in building up our most faith, and when we give all our diligence in adding these characteristics that Peter gives us in Second Peter chapter 1, you know, not only, so you know, nice thing about Mr. Miyagi, he was a genius, right? This guy was teaching Daniel karate while he was having all his, his cars waxed, his faints painted, his house painted, his deck sanded. He was doing all those things, right? And teaching him karate. You know what? While we're busying and giving all our diligence in obtaining these characteristics, not only uh, is our relationship with our spouse and our children will improve, not only will we become better co-workers and better classmates uh, uh, at school, uh, not only will there be more peace at home and in church and uh, and our places at work, you know what? We're also... Becoming just like Jesus Christ. You know, that's the wonderful thing. When we're concentrating and adding, um, um, giving diligence and adding these things and building ourselves up in the faith, uh, we're becoming more like Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, we're also being be, becoming better husbands and better wives and better children um, and better servants of God. And uh, so that's what's happening. And at the same time, we're also uh, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Not only is there the bonus of being of Christ likeness, but there's also the bonus of completeness. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 9, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from his own sin. You know, when you and I, um, live and build ourselves up, God says we're not living a life, uh, a short-sighted life. You know, the problem with living a short-sighted life is that, or, or short-sighted living is that you, you'll always end up in a dead end. You know, those people who do, don't have Jesus Christ, uh, that aren't living for God, you know what? They're gonna end up, whatever they're gonna do is dead end. All those things that I mentioned earlier that people are accumulating, the wealth and things like that, it'll just end up dead end. Um, it's, it's not it, does, it never satisfy them. If you make your goal of uh, trying to make as much money as possible or obtain the most wealth as possible, you'll never be satisfied. You make your first million, you want your second million, and so on and so on. You'll, you'll never be satisfied. Um, if all your uh, um, uh, goal is to accumulate the latest gadgets in life, you realize that in a month or so, your gadget is obsolete and you need the next one. So it never satisfies and so when you're living a life that is not um, uh, building up uh, yourself spiritually and living for the Lord, um, it's going to end up in a dead end. But the nice thing is that when you do, um, you're complete because you're living in the eye lenses of, through God. You're not only living uh, for the near term, uh, but you're also living in the for the future, for heavenly things. You're setting your affections on things above and not just uh, on things uh, of the earth. And so when you're living for God, you're living your life through the eye lenses from God's super high perspective, which will help us direct us in our goals and directions and decisions in your lives. You know, teenagers, those who are deciding what you want to do for college or after high school, the best thing to do is to build up your lives and to make sure that you are building yourself spiritually because God will give you that direction. God will help you, uh, give you that direction into the perspective uh, from where he's at, uh, because he knows the future, and that's the best decision we can make. Not only does the bonus, we have the bonus of Christ-likeness and completeness, but lastly, we also have the bonus, when we build ourselves up, of confidence as well, of confidence. God guarantees that we'll have success in everything that we do uh, for him uh, when we live for him. First uh second Peter chapter one verses ten and eleven, it's wherefore the rather brethren giving diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, God promises that we'll never fall um if we uh give our diligence in living for Him, right? And uh, doors, will, uh, opportunities of serving him and living for him, uh, will also be opened up, and ser- uh, to, uh, will be opened up to us to, to glorify him and to serve him. So, in, conclu- in conclusion, in Second in uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, it says, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath ordained that we should walk into him." You know, right next door, we have we have a, uh, a building that's being erected. And we've been praying for this building, and we've been praising the Lord for this building. And uh, we can't wait uh, for the next few months that it will be completed. And hopefully we'll have uh, a grand opening uh, by the beginning of uh, summer, and uh, if all goes to plan, and we get to use this new uh, church building uh, for the glory of God. But you know what? There's a more important building project that all of us are involved with, and that's the building of our lives. That's a more important building uh, project uh, than the one next door that's happening to us. The building project of your lives. And here, Second Peter says, to give all our diligence. right? To add to our faith, virtue. And to add to our virtue, knowledge. And to, know- and to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. He said, if you do those things, you shall never fall. And so that's a building project that we need to continue to work on, that uh, we need to continue work on until Jesus Christ comes uh, and to gather us home. And when we do that, God will get the glory, and we will be able to live uh, a successful life uh, that will glorify God, that will bear much fruit, uh, for god's glory so let's close in prayer father we thank you for tonight and uh, lord thank you for uh, Lord just a simple message that you've given to us through second peter uh, lord by the time he read uh, wrote, you used uh, peter to pen these words uh, he had learned a lot and a lot of lessons in life uh, through walking with jesus and through serving with jesus even after jesus ascended on uh, into heaven and uh, father we pray that you help us to take heed And, uh, Lord, help us to give all diligence in building of our lives and to accumulate these characteristics uh, that you've given to us. But first, we want to thank you and praise you for all the benefits that we have just because we are a child of God. And, Lord, tonight we pray that if there's anyone here tonight that aren't 100% sure they're on the way to heaven, that don't have that 100% assurance that they have a relationship with you to begin with, I pray, Father, that tonight uh, you will show them uh, through your word and uh, uh, that uh, you want to save them and that you want, to, uh, you want them to become a child of God and receive eternal life and receive that positional perfection that we talked about earlier uh, during the message and that they could receive that simply by repenting of their sins and trusting in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We pray, Father, for the rest of us, uh, Lord, who are saved, uh, Lord, that you'll help us to reunite that building project, uh, Lord, that you've begun a good work in us and that you'll help us to finish it. And, uh, Lord, help us to give all heed to all diligence in building up of our most holy faith. We commit this time to you, and we commit, uh, Lord, the, um, the, the invitation that we're about to have. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. As the pianist plays, we just open up and we can stand. And uh, this is a time for you invitation if uh, God's spoken to you or there's a decision maybe a verse that's pricked your heart and you need to make a decision for God I hope that you will uh, amply use the invitation and the altars uh, that are opened up for you and then again if you're here tonight and uh, you've uh, the first step of a relationship with God is faith. Um, we didn't talk much about the faith part but in order to have a relationship with God you must first place your faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about uh, our sins and the dirtiness of sin. And because of that sin, we're separated from God. And that's why the Bible says the only way to have a relationship with God and to have eternal life is to place your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sin. And so if you have not received this wonderful gift of eternal life, I hope that you come today and one of the staff members and I will be happy to share with you after the service how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven.